Corey Walker and you're listening to The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Today we're heading to Goma, which is a large city in the far east of the Democratic Republic of Congo. It lies just south of an active volcano, which erupted in 2002, destroying over 100,000 homes. Goma was then in the process of recovering from the effects of the Congolese civil wars, which began in 1996 and devastated much of the city and the whole country, then known as Zaire. The wars ultimately involved nine African nations, multiple groups of UN peacekeepers and hundreds of thousands of refugees flowing into the city from the Rwandan border just kilometres away. The political instability and the fighting continues. The poverty is almost overwhelming and the corruption that exists at almost all levels of life in Goma is hard to fathom. My guest today, however, is not overwhelmed by these problems and politics but instead strikes me as a clear example of someone who is living out the truth of verses like Galatians 6.10, which says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Her name is Heather Kelly. Let's hear her story. Well, sitting in my lounge room today is Heather Kelly. Um, Heather, um, I really wanted to interview you because I'm fascinated by the work that you and your husband are doing in the Congo. Um, you seem to go over once or twice a year? Usually twice a year. Yep. We go for two to three months at a time. Yep. And so we've been going for um, since 2008. Yeah, so what what made you start going to the Congo? <laughs> Tell me the story. <laughs> uh, it's a long story and when we look back I can see that the preparation started back in my childhood but at the time I didn't know that of course. Yeah. Uh, but going back to around the years of 2008, in 2007, um, Tori, we'd been great friends with a surgeon, Dr. Neil Wetzik, who had been visiting uh, Congo, a hospital in Congo, uh, Heal Africa. Yeah. And he had been going for uh, three years prior to this. And he, uh, through his secretary, who was Jan Gibson, had told us that um, there would be a speaker at his church and would we, be interested in coming along and hearing it. Um, the speaker was Lynn Lucy, who was the co-founder of Heal Africa. And we really didn't have any great interest in Africa at the time, but we said yes, we would love to come along and hear about uh, the hospital. We were, Neil was a friend of David's, so we went. We were very interested. But Neil had mentioned to David at the time that um, Heal Africa was needing an administrator, somebody who was retired, someone who was a Christian and had a heart for, the, for mentoring people to um, uh, work in, to management, manage hospitals. So um, he said, this is a very tall order and we didn't, he didn't know where you would find someone like that. But, uh, we went along to hear Lynn Lucy and David was very, very impressed by what he heard Lynn talk about the hospital and what the, the work they are doing there. We met Lynn at the end of the evening and um, Lynn said, I'd like to come and talk to you, David, so if that's okay with you. So the next day, she was only here in Brisbane for two days, the next day Lynn came around to our home and for about three hours she spoke with David and um, I sat there thinking, this is sounding interesting. I can see David is getting very interested <laughs> in the work there and have the possibilities of how he could 
help and she, he said, what exactly would you like me to do? I, I could, and Lynn said, there is a man I would like you to uh, help mentor so that he could take on the role of um, the, the um, chief, oper chief operating officer maybe in, in the future if this works out. And I'm sitting there all the time thinking, oh, I couldn't go to Congo, I couldn't go to Congo, it's just too hot. Oh, it's too hot. I, uh, Brisbane, I, I just suffered in, in the summer. How could I go to a place that is on the on the equator? At the end of the discussion with David, I came in and I said to Lynn, I said, how hot does it get in Congo? And Lynn said, Heather, we are 5,000 feet up on a mountain and the weather is just beautiful. I thought, God, I think you really want us to go there. <laughs> so we didn't give our reply immediately. We... Um, told him that we would pray about it and we just felt that we really were moved to go there. We're not people, David and I don't usually make decisions like, <laughs> big, big decisions like that and we just had our first grandchild so mm. it was a big thing to mm. go but it, it, a big thing but not a scary thing. So both of you were retired then? We both were retired, yes. Yeah, wow. And what kind of, like how would you describe what you thought retirement would be like <laughs> back then. <laughs> we had gone on a trip to uh, Canada and our friends back in Brisbane phoned us from, from here and said, um, we've been to the caravan show, we've uh, seen a caravan that we think you would also like. If we buy two caravans, we'll get a very good deal. Uh, would you like us to put a deposit down for you? We said, yes, please, that will be our retirement plan. Um, we can see us going around Australia for the next 10, 15 years. We did one trip around, the big trip around Australia and virtually the caravan. <laughs> I think we've, more friends have been in the caravan than we have ever since. Wow. Congo has been our priority. Yeah. yeah. So basically every two years, you two book your tickets. Every year. Every, so every year, twice every year, you book your tickets. Yes. And head over to the Congo. So, oh, so many questions. So, um, like, how big is Heal Africa as an organisation? In terms of beds, it's 196 beds. Oh, I do not have my figures on staff. Um, so that, that's one it, hospital? That it's one hospital, yep. yes. It's, it has, it's not an, what uh, appealed to David as a, as a work working there is that it's uh, not only a hospital, it also has programs, community programs mm -hmm. that reach out. David is interested in why people come into the hospital, not only just treatment in the hospital, but what we can do for them there, and we not just send them home, but what we can do for them once they're back out in the community. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult in the Congo too, the situation there. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's war. Mm. Yes. Um, very, very... The, the poverty. What, yes, there are many, many challenges for the yeah. people over there. Many, many challenges. Tell me some of the other challenges. <laughs> well, Goma itself is uh, built only seven kilometres from a volcano. It's dust, the, the roads aren't paved, so there's dust everywhere. On a windy day, you get the sands blowing from the Sahara Desert. That's physically. The trees, many, many trees are cut down because the people need the firewood. Mm. Um, for cooking and heating. And yes, mm. yes. So uh, there's not, not much greenery. You, you cross the, the border from leafy Rwanda mm. and to this 
virtually barren city of about one and a half million people, which is where uh, Hill Africa is. Mm. You've got the volcano, which is constantly erupting. Mm. You've got the aftermath of the uh, Tut uh, Hutu Tutsi war genocide back in uh, 1994. That's still simmering with uh, uh, rebel tribes all around. Mm. There's corruption mm. and the wars that are still continuing. Mm. So um, it's very, very difficult for the people who live there. Mm. Uh, girls have to carry their water. There's no uh, reticulated water. Imagine a hospital with no, uh, until a few years ago, no tanks or anything in the hospital. Girls carry the water, sometimes up to five, 10 kilometers, 20 litre containers, twice a day, just to get the water to their, their homes. So it is very, very difficult for the people. And reliable electricity for the hospital? No, no. <laughs> no. Does it have natural resources? Like, is it. Congo could be the wealthiest country in the world. It yeah. has very large resources of gold, coltan, um, but because of the corruption. Uh, and is it corruption from within Congo, or is it multinationals coming in and not treating? The people fairly, or uh, both? Yeah. Yes, perhaps both. <laughs> Very sad, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, how long has the hospital been there for? Uh, since nineteen ninety-seven. Okay, and it was established as a mission hospital. It was established by a Congolese orthopedic surgeon, mm -hmm. Dr. Joe Lucy. Right. Um, yep. He and his wife Lynn was a missionary mm -hmm. um, teacher. Mm -hmm. She came out, and they met in Congo. Yeah and uh, they saw this need in the community. And they really have a heart for the people. Yeah. Lynn has died in 19, and in 2012, which is, mm. was tragic for the organisation, mm. but her legacy still lives on. Mm. Yeah, it's a massive thing to establish a hospital, a functioning hospital. Yes, mm. and with so many, so little supplies. So, yeah. uh, and so is it funded primarily by Donations. By donations, yes, mm -hmm. throughout, from the world, mm -hmm. um, mainly from the US and Australia and Britain, mainly. There are other countries as well. How is the church in the Congo? Everybody will, most people will attend church on a Sunday. It's the thing that is done. You'll see the whole families walking to church and that's there. The main religion is Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. and then the others, few others, uh, religions as well. Um, they have a very strong faith, but they can be swayed by other factors. If the witch doctor will say something, uh, in a, it's contrary. We'll even have cases of very strong in their faith, but they will still go to the witch doctor. Uh, the witch doctor will demand money, a lot of money, for a procedure. It will not be successful. Then, when the parents have no more money left, they will come to Heal Africa and need to be repaired for some mm. terrific things that have been mm. committed out in the bush or something. By that stage, they have no money left. Heal Africa is open to all. Mm -hmm. uh, we treat anybody who needs and cannot pay. Mm -hmm. And so how does Heal Africa um, 
fit within the churches in Congo? Is there a particular... Heal um, Africa is a light in, yeah. the, in, the, in the city and it has, as I said, it has programs and they do reach out into the community. They go out into the villages, they go out and have uh, small clinics in the bushes. The doctors from Heal Africa go out. But when you're walking to Heal Africa, it is a place of joy. You would mm. think that people coming in who have been uh, torn apart by uh, war, injuries by rebel soldiers, uh, women who are suffering fistulas because of uh, soldiers, or some, it's not only that, sometimes it can be birth injuries. Mm. They can't the women can't attend, uh, have a doctor attend the birth, and the labour may be for four days. They're in labour and the baby is usually uh, born dead. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just, but so with all this going on, you could imagine that there'd be a lot of despair in the hospital, but it is not that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Heal Africa has uh, four pastors mm -hmm. who will go around uh, counselling the, the uh, people. Uh, they also have counsellors, trained counsellors who talk with the patients. We have um, chapel services, there's a chapel in, in on the grounds of the Hill Africa and um, services are held in Swahili or in French. Swahili is the local language, French is the national language of the Congo. Yeah. Um, and there is, you can hear, <laughs> before you even arrive at the chapel, you can hear two kilometres away almost. You can hear the singing, the joy, the dancing. Uh, it is just a fantastic place to be in. And you'll be in a, you'll be in a service and uh, everything will stop and somebody will come to the front and they'll stand there and give a testimony and they'll just give praise. Praise God for what he has done for them and the beautiful, just, it's just absolutely beautiful to be there. There'll be tears, there'll be so much praise going on. You may be another time in the time in the service. Uh, we had a, a young boy, he was around 23, he'd just been newly married, and his house was burnt down that night. Uh, he got up the next morning, told his story, there was not a tear from him. He said, I want to thank God for sparing my family. And he said, and in, in thanks to God, I want to give this donation. And he gave small coins. Small coins as a thanks to God. So he wasn't crying, but you were. <laughs> most, most definitely. There is a song that um, we can bring our burdens to God. And the way they bring their burdens, they do a lot of food through physical uh, signs, mm. images. Mm. So we are bringing our burdens to God, they will pick anything up in the church, maybe it's a book or maybe it's a chair, <laughs> and you'll see them walking around the church with chairs, singing this song, whatever it's saying, we are bringing our burdens to, to God. Oh, sounds fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, yes. And I'm sure it's really colourful as well as noisy. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the dresses are just so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. So it must be a bit of a culture shock coming home. I'll get to that in a sec because I want to ask you, so um, David had a job to do when he went over to mentor yes, the man who 
Um, yes. It was hoped it would be this year. When you first went, were you happy to sort of do whatever you could to help or did you just go... Um, I, I also said to Liv at, at that interview, well, what would you like me to do? And mm -hmm. she said, please teach English. Right. The doctors are wanting to do further study mm -hmm. through South Africa or Uganda or uh, up in Kenya, uh, but they can't do it because they can't speak English. Yeah. Uh, so would you help them? And I've, it's been great joy being able to help them. They're still coming to me, the ones who have come back from study and saying, I still remember our English classes oh, and the way you helped. And I'm not looking for praise, but just to see how they have developed over that time. That's what we go for. It's not, not for personal satisfaction, but yeah. it's to see how they have developed. Yeah. We were surprised at the way they, they would come and pray, ask for prayer. Their prayers would be take along the lines of, um, would you pray that uh, my husband won't beat me when I get home tonight? Will you pray that my house will be there when I get home, that my we won't be robbed tonight? Just, just very, very simple life prayers that are so important in their life. They'll also be very conscious if we don't go to work one day, maybe we'll stay home and work do a have a planning day at home, if the word hasn't got around that that's what we're doing, we'll have staff knocking on our door at night, uh, we've come to pray for you because we think you must be sick today that you're home, we want to pray for you. So prayer is constantly, through during a meeting, they'll stop and say, we must pray, we'll stop and pray. Every Actually every meeting, every uh, surgery case, these staff will stop and pray before they start uh, in the hospital. So uh, prayer life is, is very important there. And is that a feature across the whole of GOMA or are there, is there a sense that a lot of people are more nominally Christian and some people are... I don't know, Tori, I'm not sure. Yeah. It, I mean, it is... It is different here because it's so stark, isn't it, really? Like if you're a Christian, you really do often stand apart from your culture, hopefully. Mm. Um, mm. Certainly in terms of identifying as a Christian. Yes. People who aren't don't usually do that. No, no. Whereas if everyone goes to church on Sunday, it's kind of, yeah. it's quite a different vibe, isn't it? Mm. 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 Yes, no, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Initially, your role was to teach English mm -hmm. uh, to French Swahili speakers. Mm -hmm. um, was that something you had experience with? I did. Well, I have been a teacher. I was uh, trained as a teacher, and I've been teaching for forty years. It's <laughs> handy. <laughs> it does help to have mm. some training, and uh, so I'm used to classwork. I also teach in the hospital school. There's mm. a school there for um, children who are receiving treatment, or else the parents who are having treatment. Sometimes parents will come in for mainly mothers mm. will come in for. Um, surgeries but they can't have surgery straight away they may have to be the turn is fattened up yep, so okay. before they are well enough to yep. cope with the surgery so what they bring in their children with them and they can be there for months so this hospital school helps yep. i'm not there just to teach i'm there to help train the teachers and help them with teaching techniques right it's no point going in and doing it and then going away they haven't learnt anything also, I go into the Sunday school and help in small ways there. In the same way, I just support the teachers. Mm -hmm. Is my main, main. They have up to 600 children in two rooms. 
That just sounds like chaos before you've even begun. No, not, not at all. The children, they have chairs put out and then two right. children to a chair and they know that they sit for two to three hours. These are from... From, from babies on the back. The children will be... Maybe a six-year-old will bring their baby sister and put it on their back and they will sit there for two to three hours. Wow. And so that's an upfront lesson for two to three hours? Mm-hmm. Singing, yep. singing, and uh, there'll be some demonstration classes. There's there are no materials for, you know, can't draw or no crayons or anything like that. They sit and they're happy to do it. In your English teacher training, do you, did you have to kind of come up with a curriculum? I found any of the books I took from here or any uh, examples were totally related to our our society. Mm. Was, mm. I found that very very difficult. Mm. Let's talk about uh, food. Now, what did you have for breakfast today? Would be in the book. Mm. Well, over there, they don't have breakfast. They don't have lunch. Whereas our books would talk about morning tea, afternoon tea, lunches and so forth for children. Uh, they have one meal a day and it's usually rice and beans if they're fortunate enough. It, really? Mm. So. And is that because there literally is not enough food to eat? No, the average day. wage is a, is a dollar a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that that's, could be to feed a family of eight. Mm. So. It's hard to get your head around, isn't it? It is. Mm. Mm. The, the way they are so special to us, if we go to visit, they will give us the best portion of the meal or they'll say, we've brought in some fish for you. It's the good fish from, from the lake up north, not our lake. And you'll know that they have gone without to give to you. It's so humbling. Mm. Just... And hard, I'm sure, at the yeah. same time. Yes, oh yes. Yeah. Yes, but it would offend them if you didn't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, it, and it's so lovely to be a part of them serving you. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's a very servant attitude, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the relationship like with you as a Westerner going in, or you and David, to offer help? Mm. Um, I mean, it's... It's a checkered history, isn't it? You you can't, you can't walk in straight away. You have to, our first four months, we went, the first trip was four months, and David had made a list of 40 things that he felt could be achieved mm -hmm. uh, if he were in an Australian hospital. Mm. Um, I think he got two of them done. And uh, not, bec not because he wasn't working hard, but the most important thing was to establish relationships. Mm. And he, we achieved that, and that mm. was our goal. He mm. realised that that's the most important thing, and that's what they wanted to. Mm. Then when we went back the second time, oh, well, you're serious about this. Mm. So you can get the other 38 things done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still working on the foot. Still going? Seriously? But wow. uh, it's not going in and doing it. For, he could have gone in and done it all. He mm. could have done everything for 40. He not had right. to talk with them. And it has to be their decisions. Mm. And it has to be something that they buy and will run with. Mm. Um, he can suggest it. Mm. But so now he works with Patrice in terms of, um, here's a list of my pri priorities for this year. Choose two that you think you would like me to help you with this mm. year and that's been the way to go so and have you in the last it's nearly, nearly 10 years now isn't it yes it will be. so in the last 10 years um yeah what are some of the things that you've seen 
God do or that you've been thankful to God for um, in the hospital. I think uh, particularly seeing uh, David uh, helping Patrice and the relationship that, that has developed with him. When they first met, they um, communicated through an English-French dictionary. He could not speak uh, English, David could not speak French. Patrice now speaks perfect English. David has not speak, cannot speak any French. <laughs> David calls him his son because we only have two daughters. Right. And um, it's just absolutely wonderful having him as a family. His wife is just beautiful and his two children as well, part of our family. So that has been a real joy to see that develop. I think just have, being able to have that relationship develop with the staff. You go once and you enjoy your time with them and they come and talk to you but I think when you we went back a second time you have come back mm. we must mean something to you and we didn't realize when we first went there how much they would really really come a, become a part of our lives mm. we thought we were going to help them but we have just learned so much more by going there and mm. they just Really, they are our close friends and our second family now, all of them. It's, it is just, uh, yeah, we have learned far more <laughs> than we ever, ever expected. Really precious, isn't mm, it? Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. 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 So, coming back then, I mean, it must have been a culture shock to go, a culture shock that you're expecting, but even though you're only there for two months at a time, yes, is it? Yes. When you come back, does Oh look, it is much, much harder. It's much harder. When we come, yeah. it's harder coming here than, than going over there. We can't forget the, the sights and the smells that we have, have been over there. But coming back here, I think the excesses. It yes. Is, it's, it's just the me society. The phrase of, of the moment is the must-haves. Yeah. We must have this, you must have this. Um, there's just so much abject poverty over there. Uh, but the people are happy. Mm. Whereas you come back here, that when they're complaining about time, time management, uh, that's that's not a word in their language. Uh, whereas here, and here everybody is looking at their clocks. You know, wow, I must rush here, I must rush there. Yeah. Um, the choices in the supermarket aisles. It's just um, you know. The things that we, we've seen things. We've seen children playing in filthy, smelly open sewers. We've seen children so ill that they're, and they're hungry, they're lying in the gutters. Now how can we relate to coming back here um, and children complaining because mummy wouldn't buy me that toy? Mm. It's, we just, it's just a different world, totally. Mm. Uh, we find that very, very difficult. So I'm sure that's changed you. Um, Most, it, it certainly has. Yes. Do you sort of want every Australian Christian to have that change as well? I mean, do you think if we could see that poverty up close um, and and have friends like you do, mm. who are living lives so different to ours, that it would change us as well? Yes, yes, it would be wonderful. We've been amazed what God can do for us, mm. and I'm sure he can do but, I mean, not everybody can go to Congo. Mm, mm. And we've had so many supporters back here mm. who've supported. They say, we cannot go. Mm. And they are just as 
important in our life, in our journey mm. to be combative. Mm. So um, God had meant us to go. He, he has jobs for everybody to do in, every, in different mm. ways. How long do you think you and David might continue <laughs> popping over to Goma? As long as God wants us there. Right. We know that there's an end in sight mm. because we are there to do ourselves out of a job. Mm. But whenever that will be, that's up to God to tell us. Mm. Mm. But we are doing a lot of advocacy for Heal Africa and we spend a lot of time on the road, so to speak, having meetings and um, talking at churches and talking in groups and we make ourselves available and just love talking about what God is doing at Heal Africa. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It really yeah. is. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, how do you keep your, your faith alive as a Christian woman? Yeah. I just know that God is with me the whole time. I trust in him. I read the Bible constantly. And my prayer is that God will guide me each day with, with what I have to do. I just could not cope without him leading me each day. God has, has changed our lives. It's... it's um, helped us to rely more on him every day we don't as you mentioned before we don't know how long he'll want us to go there and it's a terrifying thought actually what will we do afterwards we know that he'll he'll have something for us but we are a little bit you know they can't bear the thought that we wouldn't be going to congo mm. but god takes something away he always puts something else um, he sent us there to help others, so that's what we're doing at the moment. Heather, thank you so much for sharing about Heal Africa and the work that you've done. It's been a pleasure, Tori.